You are now listening to High Five the Podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff too. Now let's join our hosts Q and J as they broadcast live from the writer's room. The show starts in one... I mean, honestly, people could just call, and they could use this as their ringtone and just call in. They play it for people, and it's just us breathing heavily for an hour, and that's the whole <laughs> podcast. Like, that's the new season of High Five, the podcast. It's just heavy breathing with J and Q. Welcome to heavy breathing just <gasps> with J and Q. <sighs> and there's like, <gasps> an asthmatic one, like... <sighs> That's the asthma. And then it's maybe just like <laughs> That's hard to do. a creep, creepy whisper. Like, <laughs> do you like scary movies? <laughs> oh man! You how know many how many listeners do you think we've lost already? As many as we lost last year, probably exponentially. Because we're basically just doing what they say is like one of the number one rules not to do when recording a podcast. They're like, don't breathe heavily into the <laughs> microphone. Right. Like we don't know what we're doing. Anymore. Because guess what? This is the first episode of it's season two. First, Christmas season is over. It's dead and gone. But it's exciting because now we get to do high five the podcast season two. That's right. So, you know, we, we had a good run last year. Yeah. Great made, run. Made a lot of great friends. Talked a lot about, um, I think it was movies. We talked about some movies. Yep. Um, not only during the course of it, not only was I listening to the show, but we picked up an additional listener when you started listening. To and the show. you know what? I've, I've really liked it. I've really liked it so, so far. far. I mean, that's, I we're it's, up a whole nother listener. That's we have two listeners going into season two. That's the thing is 100% growth. Sometimes I wish we'd never started becoming famous. I know. We can't just live normal no. lives anymore. I love that you're eating gummy bears as we do the show. This is, again, another thing that they say not to do in podcasting. But, you know, we're so so high in the echelon of celebrity now. I say, I say fuck the trends. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I just say I We just do say what we want. It. Yeah. If I see a gummy bear and mm-hmm. I want to eat it while I'm recording. Yeah. See, I took this cue, this me, from uh, Brad Pitt. You mm-hmm. know, he's known to just eat things randomly in a scene. Right. Which I'm doing now because it, it's power. Right. It's power play. Right. So. Well, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, you know, Brad Pitt on his runner for all of for all of his movies. He says high five the podcast. Well, not high five. Well, of course, I think most celebrities do. But on his specifically, it's, you know, gluten free Snyder's peanut butter pretzel chips. Yeah. Those are delicious. Yeah. As Those a matter of fact, will you add that to my writer that I sent you okay. right before? Okay, I, I can. All right, I can. I appreciate I can, it. I can Next totally. time, I would really like that. So, yeah, I mean, we're back. We're here still talking movies and uh, other stuff, too. You can still find us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and all the places that... The, the internet has yet to kick us off now, depending on what Donald Trump does with the internet this year. That is, could change. That could change. But right now... It's still it's still a free internet. And you know what democracy. we're t- you know what we're talking about this time. Well, we still haven't gotten our mind frame out of 2016 yet. I think we're still living a little bit in the past. Fucking 2016, man. Fucking 2016. So on that note, let's high five. I think so. High five. Should we high five? High five. High five. High five. High five. High five, son. Woo! High five. Don't let me hang it. And we're back. We're back to talk about. Motherfucking 2016. Man, we've got a new year. 
a new season. We're adding new topics in this year. We're going to talk about some TV shows as well in upcoming episodes. And because of all of that new stuff, we're going to talk about 2016. That's right. We're going to talk about the old. We're going to talk about the old. I think that I think that's great. But in all fairness, we're a top five movie podcast. We are. There were a lot of movies that came out last year. (laughs) That came out like a question. We are. (laughs) Yes, we are. And so. It's it's imperative. I think people would expect us to to rank our favorite movies from last year. I mean, we would be doing a disservice if we didn't. Yes, absolutely. So I'm gonna open my drink real quick. Yep. And See? I think professional coming out of every pore of your body. No, that's sweat. No, that's just yes. sweat. That's just not. It's not professional. It's just. It's just it's flat just out sweat. Um, sweat. But yeah, I mean, there were a lot of movies that we watched there, especially for the show. But there were a lot of movies that came out. Um, some that we haven't seen, obviously, which that was honestly the sad part about recording this episode is that we wanted to do a best of 2016 recap, like a top five best of 2016. And then we started discussing it. And there are a shit ton of movies that I have not seen, unfortunately, that I know would skew the list and then get us lambasted online. Well, the problem was, is we were just too busy dealing with our celebrity this year (laughs) to really have time to sit down like a normal person. That's the new theme of this season. This is we're going to be arrogant dicks the whole time. (laughs) More so than we were the (laughs) last season. But yeah, I mean, I was I was putting my list together for the best of 2016 and I realized, you know, I hadn't seen like Manchester by the Sea. I hadn't seen Arrival or Silence or Patterson or, you know, Moonlight, American Honey. Like there were a bunch of these that I know are quality, very good films that I just haven't seen and can't realistically put on my list. So I had to change my list. I'm glad you had the same issue to just my flat out favorite film yes. that came out last so year. So basically that's what this episode is all about. Yes. This is our top five favorite movies that we have seen. Yes. Colon, because we haven't seen them all. <laughs> colon, <laughs> because we were busy too, being too famous. Colon, colon 2016. of 2016. Yeah. I like it. Um, I, I am excited about my list. Obviously they're my favorites, so I like all five of them. So I, you know, I did actually make some honorable mentions. Just Enlighten because, me. Yeah. So I had, I mean, I had a lot, but I had to pick my top five. So, you know, movies like Hail Caesar from Joel Cohen were, were it, it was really, really good. Just didn't quite get there. Um, you know, the witch by Robert Eggers, which I know you and I disagree on its quality. Um, and then like the final girls by Todd Strauss-Schulson, I thought was just a really clever, well done film, but couldn't quite make it into that top five. Sure. There were a lot of films that I saw. Not all of them were released last year. I watched a lot of old movies last year. Um, but the, the five that I have for my top five are the ones that I enjoyed the most. Now, granted, not all of them are going to be the most the highest quality of film. Of course. There's the ones I liked the most. Right. This is most enjoyed movies yes. of 2016. Yes. Not necessarily most, most technically proficient right. movies of 2016. Because there are movies that are technically proficient that I know of in existence that I just did not see. So I don't want to make the claim that, oh, this movie that I really liked is better than Martin Scorsese's Silence, per se. Right. Knowing full well that that's not true. Although, let's be honest. I mean... These movies that we're about to list are probably better than all those. They're, I mean, they're, I love them. Those I movies, those movies are just look like straight up cash grabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying. Manchester what, by the Sea, total cash grab. That's what Martin Scorsese is known for. It's just that's flat out, just unoriginal, 
just pulling sequels upon sequels cash grabs <laughs> yeah didn't he do taxi with queen latifah and I jimmy think so. fallon i think so i yeah. think so i'm pretty sure he did i think so too yeah oh man yeah so um, uh so let's get into it dude yeah. let's start off 2017 by telling me your favorite things of 2016 <laughs> okay well my number five is green room by Jeremy Saulnier. Excellent. Haven't seen it. I okay. You have to see this. So movie. don't spoil it. I won't spoil the movie. There's not honestly. There's not a lot to spoil. Okay. That's one of the nice things about. It's a um, horror movie, right? Kind of a horror kind, thriller. Kind of. I would say it's not in the horror genre. It is more in the thriller genre. Um, I do know the cast it had Anton Yelchin. Yep. Patrick Stewart. Rest in peace. Yeah. Oh my God. This was that one was of another those, 2016 yeah, loss, which is unacceptable. I mean, especially how ridiculous the premise was. I mean, not premise, but the, the, yeah, the premise the, of the his situational death. realities it around his death. Just stupid. Just stupid. Another reason, just fuck 2016. That should not have happened. That was some, I'm going to be honest, and now a little bit of time has passed so I can say it. That's some, like, it was some Final Destination level weirdness it of was death. It wasn't just like, you never really hear about celebrities passing in just odd ways it's usually like a drug overdose or a or plane crash old age or a heart yeah something like that but this was literally his car shifted into gear and he was crushed in between his car and his brick mailbox setup because the car had a manufacturer defect yes and it I, was just literally that odd i almost of it almost all, doesn't sound real. Of all the deaths that happened last year, and man, there were too many. That it's just it breaks your heart to think about. His was one of those that almost I I still can't wrap my head around it because of how strange it was. Absolutely agreed. So I'm gonna move on so I don't start to cry yeah, on this podcast. Please do. Well, you but, already are. Just yeah. here, here, take this, here, take this napkin. <laughs> thank you. Just thank wipe you, your thanks. face. Um, but yeah, Anton Elkin, Patrick Stewart. Um, maybe from, uh, Oh really? She's yeah. in it. I didn't uh, know that. Alicia Swaff, uh, no, Shawcat, Aaliyah Shawcat, Aaliyah Shawcat. She's in it. Um, and then there's, did you ever see, uh, Sonia's other film, Blue Ruin? I haven't, but okay. I heard that's awesome too. You have to marathon both of those. That is your high five homework is you have to marathon both of those movies. Sold. The I main... thought my high five homework was our high five show. <laughs> nope. No, it's these movies. Okay. Um, Sonia is one of the best directors to come out of the last five years. Easy. Hands down. No question. I'll fight someone in the alley who disagrees. He okay. is a master craftsman of film and putting script in, in on camera. But the main character, the actor who plays the main character in Blue Ruin which was basically kind of an underground film. I don't want to say underground, but it was more of an indie film, is in this movie as well. Okay. But the premise is, no spoiler alert, the premise of the film is that Anton Yelkin, Aaliyah, um, and their band members are in just like a punk rock, anti-government type band. And they're touring around in a rundown old van because they're not very popular. And they get this gig at a club. When they get to the club, they realize that it's like a white power, white supremacist oh, shit. nightclub. Dude, very pertinent for 2016. Yes, extremely. Like, it was a Trump rally. That's when that we realized, we woke up and realized that America was apparently the green room. <laughs> right. Um, and so they're there, and they witness some of the backdoor dealings of the club. They accidentally okay. walk in on some backdoor dealings of the club. Some backdoor bad shit. Yes. And they lock themselves in the green room 
while there are like 150 white supremacists led by Patrick Stewart in the main room. Ooh, so Patrick Stewart's a bad guy. He is the villain of he is the leader of the white supremacist and nightclub. Is he scary? And as all get out. Really? As all get out. Interesting, because I always think of him as Picard. Yep. So warm and or, like... Or Charles Xavier. Yeah. So still very warm mm-hmm. and very like fatherly, grandfatherly. The thing about his performance in this movie is it's very much built around that idea. He's very level-headed. He doesn't really explode. He's calculating, but he's scary as hell. And he's a white supremacist. <clears throat> and he's a white supremacist. He's already got the baldness down. Um and so they're trapped in this green room, and it's them trying to f- figure out how to get out. Because they're not fighters. They're just punk rockers. Right, yeah. And the thing about Saulnier is he films violence in a way that I have rarely seen on screen. So when you think of, you know, we've used the term on the show before, but torture porn. Sure. You know, there's a lot of very visually... Gore, heart- gore porn stuff. Gore porn. And and I know that honestly that's not your that's biggest. That's not my bag. The way that he films it is it's so realistic and so unsensationalized. So like something like Hostel, it the the movie is built around those focal moments. points and those moments. Sure. The movies, his movies have moments that are just as bad, but they're done in such a realistic and spur of the moment way. The way violence would happen in real life. Interesting. It sort of puts you into a mood where you you're not supposed to like it. It's almost okay. like funny games. Yeah, so in that you way. feel uncomfortable. Yes. So in Blue Ruin, and not to ruin anything about Blue Ruin, but <laughs> you're not gonna ruin Blue Ruin. Yeah. In in Blue Ruin, it's about a guy who you know the. Uh, I I know the premise. Yeah, guys. He's yeah, seeking. It's a revenge movie. It's a revenge movie, but he's fighting the guy that killed his parents, and he's trying to kill him, and he messes it up. And he gets into this big fight, and he stabs the guy in the temple. And it's not just like a big thing. He stabs him in the temple. There's blood, and like an eye rolls up. It's just extremely realistic, but not sensationalized in right. any way. It's and not like blood spurting everywhere, and the dude's yeah. like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, and, and the way that he films it is, especially in Green Room, is it's extremely lifelike in the way that it would go down. So in most movies, when let's say someone is about to get shot in the face by a shotgun, you see people like walking down a hallway, there'll be a jump cut to someone hiding, holding a shotgun and it'll jump back. And then something bad will happen. Okay. In Saulnier's movies, there's no jump cut. It's just people walking around. You think they're going one direction. There's no swell of music. There's no different camera angles. Something just happens and somebody's dead. Wow. And it's it shocks you and then makes you uncomfortable and there I mean there's some scenes with a box cutter that I just can't even describe that you just have to see to believe. And you know, I hope that he continues this color scheme that he's got. We got blue ruin, green room. <laughs> I hope the next one's like purple haze and it's about drugs or something. Nice. I'd be totally but down for that. He's got a very it's almost if like uh it's almost if like the Cohen brothers meshed with the realistic violence of a Cronenberg film like Cosmopolis or something okay. like that. It's it's sort of a marriage between those two where Coen Brothers movies are very violent. It is sensationalized violence and it's not really gore heavy. 
he takes the other approach. He makes it's very Coen Brothers esque, beautifully stylized, great cinematography. The stories are always fairly simple about a guy getting in over his head and having to either fight his way out or not get there. And right. then he takes the action and the gore to a level that would happen in real life, but doesn't fantasize it. Gotcha. So for me, Green Room is one of those that it it played under the radar, didn't open really large in the country, and I saw it on VOD. And I just, I, it was one of those that stuck with me for a long time. So I highly recommend it. I know I'm making it sound like it's a hard, brutal movie to get through, and it is, but it's well worth the hour and 40 minutes it takes to get there. So for me, that's a definite high recommend, number five favorite movie of the year. I like it. Off to a good start. You're starting season two off right. All right. R- very with white supremacy. <laughs> right. And uh, keeping in that vein. Yes. Uh, my next, my next. I'm seeing f- a theme here. <laughs> uh, number four is Rogue One, A Star Wars Story by Excellent. Gareth Edwards. Excellent. I-, I love that movie. I really enjoyed it. We saw it together. We sure and did. And I think we very much enjoyed it. Now, I have my, as- uh, my aspects of that film that don't quite mesh, that don't quite work. You know, people can talk all day long about the CGI characters and whether or not they should have been included or could have been, you know, sure. could have been done better. But for me, it was such a well-done Star Wars movie that it easily became one of the ones that I remember fondest from the year. You know, it might have been that we saw it together as part of our Friendsmas. That adds an element of fondness to it. It also, I think, is just Gareth Edwards' direction style. I think he has a way of showing size and um, sh- size and dimension and action and making things very enjoyable along the way. Uh, but for me, it just felt like it fits so well in that original Star Wars trilogy, and that's I just love those movies so much. I I absolutely couldn't agree more. And um, as once as like you said, and as we've told people before via our Christmas episode, we prefer to see our Star Wars movies now in a little ceremony that we like to call Friends Miss that we are hoping that everyone yeah. is going to start participating in. And if you still have pictures sitting around on your phone, share them from your from your get together. Fr- share them. Yeah. Hashtag Friendsmas. We're we're looking at them online. I'm tracking anything tagged with high five and Friendsmas on Twitter. So if you if you share it with us, I'll see it and we'll repost it and we'll talk to you and we'll ask about stories. But, but that's one of my favorite memories is and and something I look forward to doing with you every yeah. year. And so I think that's a yeah. solid choice. So it's it's a fond memory for me, mainly because of all of those, but. You know, K2SO is such a great machine bot character. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, it it sort of hit that echelon of great Star Wars robots that I now think of when I think of the Star Wars universe. And another thing I thought was great about Rogue One is the way they wrote the story. It filled in a whole bunch of gaps in A New Hope. You know, and I don't, you know, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Rogue One, but they fill in the gap of why the Death Star has such a a magnanimous flaw that could take down the entire thing. They fill in why, you know, the Rebels were at such a a detrimental position in Rogue One. It adds actually context and sort of makes A New Hope better because I saw Rogue One. And for that reason alone, it's, it's one of my favorite of the year. I couldn't agree more. And, uh, yeah, I just think that's really good. I think awesome. that's a solid choice and a fun memory. Yes. So fun memory, good movie, great number four. Yeah, see, and it, it has a special place in my heart. 
Um, now, the next three, uh, again, my favorites of the year. Some of these I've, I've seen on other people's lists, but number three for me is Shane Black's The Nice Guys. Excellent. I fucking love Shane Black. Yeah, oh, me I, too. Anything that he has done, I just cannot get enough of. I think that he has a handle on what I would consider the new age buddy comedy better than anybody else out there. I can totally get behind with behind behind with. I can definitely <laughs> get behind that concept. Well, I mean, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a fantastic film. It sort of revitalized Robert Downey Jr.'s career, but the the buddy chemistry between him and Val Kilmer is amazing. Absolutely. Um, even Iron Man 3 that he did is a buddy comedy almost between Robert Downey Jr. and that kid. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it really is. A majority of that film is just the two of them doing things together and being silly or being comical in the way that they go about it. Um, you know, obviously, Nice Guys, which I'm talking about, he's doing the upcoming Predator movie, which Absolutely. I don't know how he's going to make that a buddy comedy, but hey, uh, Keenan is in it. Um, uh, Keel. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. Jordan Keel? Oh, no. Which it's, one? What? One of Key and Peele is in it. It's damn it, because when you say it, it always throws me off. It's, uh, it's he just got cast. It's Keenan Michael Key. Oh, Keenan Michael Key is Keenan Michael Key. Yeah, is in that movie. I don't yes. know how he's gonna make it a buddy. Because it comedy. always, I want to like mix their names up. I always <laughs> want to be like it's it's Keenan Peele and Keenan and Kel Peele. <laughs> right, which yeah. is a great. It's a great yeah. show, by the way. Keenan and Kel Peele. But anyway, the nice guys. Have you seen that one? The nice guys. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, it was so good. I it mean, it was very good. Uh, Ryan Gosling is. I was amazed at the way that he was able to play the straight man with physical comedy. I absolutely <clears throat> agree, and I think I was very surprised by the chemistry that he and Russell Crowe had right. on screen. I thought they had great, just <laughs> right. classic pairing chemistry, and, and it I, almost felt like uh, like a Laurel and Hardy type. It really kind of did. And another thing about Shane Black movies, it not so much with Iron Man 3, but kind of, is his plots are always extremely complicated. Yeah. But he has such an effortless way of filming and pacing and character developments that you don't even really notice it. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was like that too. Oh, super. It, it's super extremely complicated. complicated, but it never feels complicated. The no. Nice Guys is the same way. It's like a, a, a murder mystery that turns into an envir environmental thing that turns into hitmen fashioned by like contracted by the right. government to cover up a porno that's really an environmentalist a piece that's propaganda supposed to, film yeah this be a propaganda film that's supposed to be shown at a car show and it it shouldn't make any sense but the way that he paces it the way that he writes it always is just effortless this is what i've always said about shane black shane black makes the thinking man's action film <laughs> that's a great that's a great way to put it he does. I, I agree 100%. It's not, it, it's not just flat-out stupid, mindless action. It's it not. It has great, well-shot action. It does. Um, but it gives you shit to think about, too. It's, <laughs> it really it's not does. Just, so he, is, he makes the best thinking man's action films out there. And all the threads usually come together to make sense. Absolutely. You know, and spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Nice Guys, but you know the premise is, oh, I've saw, I saw my niece who died, right. but I saw her alive. And you're like, well, how it has to be like a body double. But it was just like a reflection it's of a, one of her movies of on the, projection. the wall. And, yep. and that ends up being a huge plot, plot point. point. And it, it's just, it's great. Yep. And I, the way their chemistry together, the writing, how smart it was, the direction style, 
I mean, just everything together I'm makes it one of the best movies of the year constructually. Oh, yeah. But for me, one of my favorite. And also, man, Shane Black loves the Kilmers. Because oh, yes. Val Kilmer's son is yep. in The Nice Guys. Yep. He's one of the hitmen yep. or something. Yeah, he's the uh, the secondary dude. Yeah. He's not the main guy. That Although that one guy I saw recently, too, the one who ends up getting his face turned blue. Matt, no, oh, blue face, not Matt Bomer. No. Okay. The other guy. Yeah. Uh, the blue face guy. Yeah, blue face. I saw him in something else, and I can't remember. That dude crushed that part, though. He, he was did. selling being yeah. that just fucking like, unhinged kind of psychopath. <laughs> yes. But his... That's the thing, too, like about Shane Black movies that I love is characters that you think like, oh, this dude's going to be around the whole movie. Nope. Nope. And that's it's it was shocking and jarring because you're like, you know, spoilers again for the movie. He has an awesome scene and gets fucking hit by a car just brutally and it's then like when the they, be- it's like the beginning of meet joe black it is <laughs> Brad Pitt. it is and when they show him like he's fucked up you know what i'm saying so fucked up and it's, it's not the blue face is the best thing about him at that yeah part. but i was shocked by that because i'm just like oh my god yeah. like holy crap it's just yeah. it, it just goes in this direction that you're just like i didn't really think about because i mean if you think about in normal action movies like let's take a big blockbuster one like fucking clash of the titans right People get, like, smashed through walls by monsters and shit. There's a little bit of blood. Yeah. But it's okay. Ooh, my back hurts a little bit. Ah. In a fucking lethal weapon or something like right. that. You know, people will get shot or thrown up against a wall. Or their nuts fine. are getting electrocuted. Right. And But they're fine later. Yes. Later, they're just like, There's oh, no third degree burns on sucked. your nuts. Right. This dude was legitimately fucked. Like, yes. after this, he got hit by a car. He's not like hopping back up and continuing the chase. Right. Like he's, he's not rolling dying over the hood on the pavement, <laughs> and Russell Crowe fucking breaks his neck. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then lies about it. Right. But, but you're just like, ew. <laughs> like, well, I think I remember in, and I might be wrong, and I'm sure if I'm wrong, Twitter will correct me. But I think even in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, there's a scene where someone's arm like goes through a window, or someone gets thrown through a window, and they're like super cut up. Yeah. And it's like that. That's not how that happens, and it fit, and it's still sensationalized yeah. to a degree. But it fits within the mm-hmm. realm that they have created. It's this like hyper, yes, hyper realistic, but also hyper unrealistic, yes. hyper film realistic. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And another thing I love about Shane Black movies, and he did this with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and he does he does it with this movie is your protagonists, the people you're rooting for are almost just as flawed as the people they're going against, but in a way that you still like them. So, for for example, in The Nice Guys, you've got Russell Crowe, who is this gruff enforcer who's breaking people's arms and who is just this almost emotionless force. And you're like, okay, well, he's going to be the guy that I have to grow to love and that I don't like. And then Ryan Gosling is sort of the meek physical comedy guy. But it turns out he's just like a huge alcoholic and completely unreliable. Right. And you end up liking Russell Crowe almost from the get-go better when that shouldn't be the case. Everything that we've been taught from movies up until that point is completely the opposite of that. Right. You don't like the gruff guy and you like the meat guy and you learn to like them both. Right. Together. But it's the flip on this one. Yeah. And I love the – in Shane Black's movies, they always have those wise beyond their years kind of characters. Smarmy kids. But I, his uh, fucking Ryan Gosling's daughter in this movie is just fucking brilliant, and yeah. she's funny, and she's it's very well acted by that little actress. I love the running gag of and stuff. Yeah, the and stuff gag is like don't say and stuff, and they they go to the the porn 
party and she's like yeah you know so i was like taking dicks up the ass and stuff and she's like don't say and stuff just say i was taking dicks up the ass up the ass (laughs) yeah but that's the kind of like hyper realistic but ultra non-realistic kind of kind of vibe but yeah i agree and i always feel like shane black stuff feels like a modern 70s exploitation yes. film. Yes. All of them. And this kiss, one's kiss, set bang, in the 70s. Bang feels the same way. Mm-hmm. This one being set in the 70s helps. Yes. But all of his movies kind of have that pulpy mm-hmm. feel to it, that pulpy vibe. Like, like, I could play, like, fucking soul music over any of his <laughs> movies, and it would just fucking work. I think if he were to just dedicate himself and make a straight-up gumshoe movie— it might be the best thing that's ever been put on film. I would love that. Like a straight up noir. Yeah. Like the way that when I think of the nice guys, I almost think of it's LA confidential, but more fun. Totally. Oh, yeah, totally. And it really is. And so I would both, both with Russell Crowe. I would love him to make a black and white gumshoe movie with voiceover narration of a private detective. If he merged kiss, kiss, bang, bang and the nice guys into like one sort of, yeah, cohesive movie storyline or like a black and white sepia toned detective yeah i'd be totally down and i mean i gotta give him props because he's the fucking guy behind monster squad (laughs) right the wolf the wolf man's got nards guys i i love it also in predator and responsible for the new fucking predator i know you had mentioned that but I mean, how could this guy get any fucking cooler? Like, he's he's made an Iron Man movie. <laughs> he made a fucking cool-ass gumshoe movie, basically, like a private eye movie with fucking Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. He's made this awesome, like, 70s exploitation version of a Laurel and Hardy movie. And he was fucking involved yeah. with Monster Squad. And I'm a big fan of Ryan Gosling. I think I've mentioned it on the show. I, I think he's a great actor. I th- Everything that he's done, you know, everything from Drive to his more, you know, popular movies like La La Land, which is one I haven't seen and unfortunately can't be on this list because I just don't know about it. But, you know, and his band, um, Dead, Man's Bones. Dead Man's Bones, I listen to it which every Which I started Halloween. listening to off of your recommendation and, you told and me about during the... I loved it. How amazing is that album? it was album? great. It was so different and weird, mm-hmm. but in a good way. Yeah. Not in like a, this is too artistic to enjoy nope. way. It is very, it's a one and done thing and I too. Like the he children's even, choir t- thing. Yep. He doesn't even tour with him. It's just a one and done thing that he wanted to do, and it's awesome. But in this movie, he's almost never been funnier. I was laughing out loud at Ryan oh, Gosling I will agree throughout this whole film. Definitely. So kudos to him, kudos to Shane Black, kudos to Russell Crowe, and kudos to everyone involved in The Nice Guys. Everyone should watch it. And kudos to you for putting it on your list. Booyah. Solid. So I'll run back through my 543. Uh, five was Green Room by Jeremy Saulnier. Number four is Rogue One by Gareth Edwards. And number three is Nice Guys by Shane Black. I fucking love it. I love it so much. So let's hear let's hear your five. Excellent. Five, four, three. Uh, well, I can say that my list is definitely considerably less racist. <laughs> okay. Um, although it did take place in 2016. Which makes it racist just off the bat. Right. It's just auto-racist thanks to that. Auto-racist? Uh, <laughs> it, is, it is an auto-racist. Um... Yeah. Speak, speaking so, of auto racist, um, have you read that auto racist novel, Fifty Shades of White? I have. <laughs> okay, good. It's really good, and I liked its sequel, Lesser Shades of Black. <laughs> <laughs> this, I think, we've just created a new subgenre of literature and film, auto racist. I think so too. I, I'm trying to think of more examples now, and I'm I'm having a tough think tough on time. it. Um, uh, white showgirls. <laughs> white showgirls. <laughs> yeah. 
You can't just add white things into I know, it. I know. White alien. <laughs> white predator. <laughs> well, neither of those movies are autoerotic. Yeah. All right. So, my number five. Okay. You ready for this? Yes. This is also a little erotic. Ooh. The BFG. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm feeling tingly in my pants. Uh, yeah, my number five is the BFG. I saw this in the theater. It did not get love this year for some reason. And I, I'll tell you what, it was fucking fantastic. You know, it came out right around, well, I know it always got compared with that movie, A Monster Calls, yes. with Liam Neeson. Yeah. I haven't seen either, to nope. be honest. Well, I mean, I've seen BFG. You've seen clearly. BFG. I haven't seen either of them, okay. so I can't make any comparisons. But uh, when A Monster Calls is not even out yet, right? I don't think so. It was yeah. supposed to come out. I think it got pushed. Yeah, I think it, I think, I, it was supposed to come out closer to BFG. I know that. Yeah, because there was the comparison. Everybody was like, oh, it's the two monster or big giant movies or whatever. Um, here's the deal. I read BFG in school. I'm pretty sure that's like standard curriculum reading. Uh, I saw the 80s BFG animated movie. That, that's the one I'm familiar with. Um, and which I loved. This movie brought that to life. Like yeah. it stuck so true to the descriptions from the Roald Dahl book. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the cartoon influences, it was a beautifully shot. Okay. It was incredibly well acted. I mean, it's Spielberg, so it you're going to get that. But to be fair, Spielberg's had some misses. <clears throat> I never, I didn't enjoy that Tom Hanks movie, Bridge of Spies, Bridge of Spies. or whatever. It's boring. Right. Um, but if did you enjoy his auto racist movie, Bridge of Thighs? <laughs> I did. Bridge of White Thighs, I mean. <laughs> Uh, Bridge of creamy thighs. Uh, but all, all in all, Spielberg, for me, as of late, which is weird when I think about it, a bunch of directors that I just love that I thought could never do any wrong, as they got up there in years, they've had some serious misfires. Like I feel like they kind of lost their touch. And t- to an extent, I feel like Spielberg's kind of one of those. It's become watered yeah. down a little bit. Um, I can I can get on board with that. I honestly think nowadays there are people that do Spielberg better, better than, than Spielberg, like J.J. Like Abrams. J.J. Abrams. I was thinking of the uh, the Stranger Things guys as well. I know it's not a the, film. The Duffer Brothers. The Duffer Brothers. I think they almost do Spielberg better than Spielberg nowadays. I I agree. I I I cannot agree more that I think Stranger Things was straight up Spielbergian. Yes. Like, ripped from a Spielberg movie. If it had started with Amblin Pictures, it would not have put me off no, at all. I actually would have probably thought that it was from that era. Yeah. They may have well just put up the beginning from Shamblin Pictures. <laughs> right. They should have. Yeah. Um, so the movie, well acted, well uh, shot, beautiful movie, um, had Mark Rylance as the giant, mm-hmm. as the BFG, as the big fucking guy. Right. Um and Mark Rylance is one of those actors, like, I don't know that a lot of people really know who he is. Um, he's kind of a smaller, uh, right. I think he's Irish uh, character actor. Okay. Um, but he does, and if you remember the book at all, there's a specific mm-hmm. way that the BFG talks. It's this very kind of like broken, and I hate to make this comparison, but kind <laughs> of like a slave's English. Right. Like, it's very odd and kind of uneducated. But attempting to speak normally. Right. Um, and that's the only way I can I can describe it. So put your tweets down. I'm not being racist. I'm just trying to make my ma- my list match Jay's a little bit more by making racist references during non-racist movies. The thing is, I think Mark Rylance, he's, he's like one of those actors who you've seen him and you've heard him in a bunch of things, but you can almost never put 
a face or a name yeah. to the face. He's kind of like a John Michael Higgins. Like yeah. he's in a bunch of stuff or like a Ben Foster. Yeah, oh, You've yes. definitely seen him and you're like, oh, that guy. He's really good. Yes. But he's not but what's like. His name? What's his name again? <laughs> Who is it? The blonde yeah. guy? Yeah. Um, but they do an amazing job. And in a year filled with some, you know, questionable CGI effects. I would say that this was actually one of the most well-done and most impressive CG efforts. Um, I may have to see this now. It, it really is good. I took my daughters to see it. They enjoyed it. Um, it's probably a little more wordy and potentially a little more boring than the average child. I would say mm. your child would need to be like between probably 7 and 10 okay. to really care. Otherwise, sure. it's going to be boring, and your sure. little one is going to be like, going to fall into that like the Peach, fuck out of here, Peach Dragon yes, zone, definitely. Okay. Where it's more sentimental, probably yeah. than us just straight up than monster yeah. trucks, right? Um, which surprisingly is getting somehow good reviews, which is I bullshit. I disagree. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. Yeah. And I disagree. Peach I watched Dragon, the trailer. Not, not terrible, by the way. I've heard it's really good. I haven't seen it yet, still, but not I, terrible. I heard. I heard it's good. Worth a watch. Um, you heard so, it here first. So yeah, that's my number five, man. I like it. It's um, it's different. It was very emotionally yeah. like investing. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought it was a really well done movie. So awesome. I really enjoyed it. Good time at the theater. Good, good choice. So moving on to my number four. Number four is Finding Dory. Ooh, that's a uh, you know what? Strong I choice. I really enjoyed Finding Dory. Strong choice. Um, once again, a movie that. When I went to the theater, I, that actually did come out simultaneously with the BFG. Mm. They came out at the same time. And I went when we went to the theater to see the BFG, there were Finding Dory lines just out the door. Like right. every showing was sold out. Big, big movie for Pixar. Um, one of their most anticipated sequels right. for sure. And we had an episode on Pixar and we talked we about talked sequels about and what makes a good sequel. I will agree with you that. You know, while it, I'll no spoiler, I mean spoiler, it's not on my list. But I liked that film um, mainly because I was so impressed with how good a Pixar sequel it was. This was not a Cars two. This was not a Monsters University. It actually had heart. It told a story that that definitely they were not have been just told. shitting out a movie. Yes, they actually were like, okay, we have a yeah. story here, like an actual good mm-hmm. quality story. Let's make it. And I was really scared, and I, I can't remember if we mentioned this when we talked about it before, but I was really scared going to see it that it was just going to be a rehash of Finding Nemo. Like Dory gets lost this time, and then Nemo and, and uh, Marlin have to go find her. And it wasn't that, and I really liked that it wasn't that. I absolutely agree. Um, it also had a lot of the feels for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like There was some really emotionally mm-hmm. heavy moments in that movie. Dealing with, you know, memory and forgetting where you came family. from and your family and um, whether that connection is based in memory or something that's just internally embedded in you. I'd be lying if I didn't say I got choked up on when she finally does find her parents and you figure out, like, what's been happening. Nope. Okay, so I'll go ahead and say it right now. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this movie, see this movie. There is a running through line that Dory, as a child... Um, has a uh, short-term memory. Short-term yes. memory, and so her parents are teaching her ways to 
kind of survive in the world without if if they weren't there. Right. So they're trying to condition her using different things to get her to remember to find her home. Right. And so they lay out stones um, for her that she follows and they'll go out and they'll practice this and they'll have her search for these stones. And there is this beautiful moment where she has lost her parents. And at the end of the movie, when she slowly starts to find them again, she's following these stones and you realize like as it's happening, you're like, Oh shit. Like, I think this might be where she finds her parents. And then she sees her parents and you see them drop these handfuls of stones and the camera pulls out and there are just like tons of trails yeah. going in every direction and leading you to their home. For years. They have been laying these trails to find that's gonna get me I'm choked, choked up, up choked just up fucking right like now. thinking about I'm how beautiful right that moment was. It was great. That these parents and being parents, both of us, yeah. I think that strikes a chord in the yeah. you that you're just like, these parents dedicated these years to trying to find her and never gave up hope. Ever. That she would be able to find her way home. And it wasn't like they set them out and then stopped. They were still doing it when, like they, when she, she found them. They literally, like, the, the father fish had stones in his hands that he, or in his fins that he, like, drops to the right. ground. So they were out laying these stones Years when she later. found them. <clears throat> and so it's just this emotionally, but it's it's not a cheap no, emotional payoff. Like, it wasn't. It was an earned payoff, and they spent this entire movie kind of setting up mm-hmm. these little kernels, and that's something that I feel like in a lot of the bullshit Pixar movies, or bullshit sequel movies anyway, right. they don't really invest in. They don't invest the time to really tell a story through right. the whole movie. They're just like, hey, remember this character that you really like? Hey, look at this character you well, really like. Well, and to that point, one of the things I think nowadays, especially in the last, I'd say, 20 years, you know, Hollywood has gotten so good at the business of film that they know that certain chord structures and certain musical beats mixed with a certain shot in a scene and good dialogue can manufacture an emotional response. This did not feel manufactured. You said it best. It felt earned. And that's what I really, really like. Now, I have to say something negative about this movie. Okay. Not to say that it doesn't belong on your list uh, because it's your list, but... What really pulled me out is I did not like the end with the truck. Uh, I, I will agree with that. I thought that was overdone, unearned, and dumb. <laughs> I just thought it was dumb that because they – not to say that it was an uber hyper-realistic movie. No, and there's no Uber drivers. They didn't use an app or anything. No, I feel like it kind of jumped the shark. <laughs> At it, that point, it did it kind of went a little too far where it's like, OK, now the fish are driving a truck like it, this is OK. This is a little much. It could have ended 10 minutes before that and I would have been just I, as happy. I, yeah, I could have. They could have figured out a way to get Nemo and Marlin out of that area mm-hmm. without that. ended with her finding her parents. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been an absolutely satisfying end to the movie. So for me, that movie hit a B plus ranking for me because of they that. They tacked last, on that like, extra little, minutes. like, let's just have some crazy fun here. And I get it. Kids move. And, and I'm not knocking it because it's a kid's movie. They want to appeal to kids. It's got to have some silly laughs and some silly scenes and some big things, but it wasn't needed and it felt superfluous and it, it just eked superfluous. I one hundred and so that's my one negative thing about that. Um, I one hundred and twenty-seven percent agree. I like that percentage. 
127? Yeah. Solid. Um, so, yeah. So, that's my number four. I like it. So, moving right along on this best of motherfucking 2016 list that we have here. Favorite of 2016. Let's be very clear. Not oh, yeah. best. Not best of. Favorite. Favorite of 20. <laughs> Of 2016. So don't reach out to us and be like, well, La La Land was great. We know. Yeah. We know. It was fucking great. You're right, audience. Moonlight is probably better than all of these. (laughs) Shut up. I absolutely. We know. These are favorites that we saw with our eyeballs. I absolutely agree. Number three. Uh, My number three is 10 Cloverfield Lane. Good movie. Solid movie that I saw in the theater. Uh, I actually saw this with With my wife, wife, actually. (laughs) Uh, you weren't there. Bitch. That was one of the times. It's one of the many times that we go out together all the time, um, and it was. I, I'll tell you this: the, I think one of the main reasons that it made my top of li- or top favorite Favorite. movies list was because I genuinely didn't expect what I got at the theater. Yeah, I expected, especially when the trailer looked good. Yeah, sure. I when they tacked on. The title Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Lane. I was like, okay, I know I liked Cloverfield, but this feels like a cash grab. Like this yeah. feels like they were gonna be like, it's not directed by JJ, produced by JJ. Right. It it almost felt like it was gonna be too tenuous of a relationship. Right. And I was like, I'm not gonna yeah. like this. This was one of my honorable mentions for this year. But it, Cloverfield Lane. It turned out being not only an awesome little like tense character piece that. Primarily took place all in a bunker. Yep. With motherfucking John Goodman. Okay. I have to pause you here. Okay. If John Goodman, he probably won't, and he didn't get a Golden Globe nod, if he does not get some sort of Oscar credit or verbal acknowledgement for how fucking good he is in this movie... It will be a crime and another black mark on the year of which I know people are like, yeah, right, Jay. It's Cloverfield Lane. How could it have been that good? Doesn't matter. The thing is, whether or not the movie is great, and it is. I'm not saying it's not. John Goodman crushed that movie, that role, and we're not even talking about his weight. (laughs) Nope. Although he was looking a bit heavy, that role. And another reason, I mean, I chalk it up to not only the writing but to his performance. Because I literally changed my opinion of him about four or five times watching the movie. I was like, oh, is this guy a villain? Is this guy crazy? Oh, no, he's just like really doing what he thinks is right. No, he's actually a mean motherfucker. Oh, what is this? Is this a mystery? Is this a, is this a, a kidnapping movie? Right. I had no idea. In almost every scene that he's in, he changed my opinion of his character while never changing the character. I 100% agree. And he... And I, for those of you who haven't seen it, fuck off. But he is fucking intimidating as fuck, dude. There was some tense ass scenes. There is a scene in particular that I can think of where, um, what's her name? The main actress in this movie. Oh, uh, Mary Winstead. Thank you. Um, or Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I should thank say. Thank you. Um, <laughs> M-E-W. Mew. Yeah. So Mew, he had her pinned up against a wall where he was yelling at her from a conversation from dinner. And he had this stance where he's just towering over her just as this large dude and he is so fucking close to her face and he is coming down on her in almost like a fatherly yeah kind of way like this reprimanding a tiny child and it is so 
fucking intense. Like it's almost as if you were a human getting yelled at by Zeus. And I literally, I remember sitting in the theater watching that, and every muscle in my body got tense. Yeah, and it's not even that. I know he's not going to kill her right. in this moment. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing that signified danger it was literally his performance was so intimidating Mm -hmm. when he's talking to her and he's just getting in her face and it's this like real uh almost unhinged rage i would say unhinged is a great word for his character which almost adds an, an a depth of horror to that film because at any given moment you really don't know how he's gonna react i mean there's a dinner scene where they're just having a nice conversation at dinner, everyone's laughing, it's sort of like a little bit of a family, and then somebody says one thing, and, in a and he goes second. from zero to 110. And that's where the scene yeah. that I'm talking about happens. I know. Directly after that, he pins this character up against the wall, and it was all because of this just... Innocuous comment. Yes, and it, and that's the kind of dread that, this, that the director yeah. really sold in this movie he did a really good job of kind of ratcheting the tension of like very innocuous things Mm -hmm. that you're like well this doesn't seem tense this doesn't seem whatever and he was able to kind of infuse and inject that tenseness into the well into the scene dan trachtenberg that's his name uh michelle's brother (laughs) no yeah it is is it really in real life okay so crazy thing about this so this is his first film yep um he made one other thing which is uh a portal the video game short film yep. that went around that was fucking awesome. And if you haven't seen it, look up Dan Trachtenberg <laughs> portal short. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. Like it, it made me want a, a, the portal movie that I never thought yeah. I would want. And since we're talking about Trachtenberg, let me insert this um, because like I said, it's on my honorable mention. So this will be our only chance to talk about it in okay. this, in this episode. Huge, huge kudos to him for making a movie that takes place in a bunker, but the visual direction, camera angles, and the styles he chose made it so claustrophobic that I I honestly felt like I was in that bunker the whole time. It's so claustrophobic just because of his choice of camera angles and the way he used close-ups. Speaking of claustrophobia, there's a scene in this movie, and your wife is claustrophobic. Very. And I remember sitting next to her in the theater while we're watching this screening, and there's a scene where the where Mary Elizabeth Winstead is crawling through a vent yep. shaft, and John Goodman is literally stabbing with a knife <laughs> through through the vent as she's walking. So just randomly blades are like popping up. And I remember looking over at your wife, and I literally thought she was having a heart attack. She might like, have been. She was watching this movie, and she looked so stone cold frozen. Yeah. And I asked her afterwards, and I was like, did you enjoy it? And she was like, yes. Yeah. She was like, it was that level of just like so much dread and mm-hmm. fear, but it was it was fun. Yeah. You know you, what I mean? You both came back raving so much about that movie that we ended up going like two weeks later and spending more money to see it again. But that just proves how good yeah. it was. Also, it's one of those rare situations where it made me like Cloverfield more. Yeah. Because really they have, a, and I won't spoil this part for anybody who hasn't no. seen it, they do have a tie-in to the Cloverfield movie. Yep. And it does not feel bullshit. It honestly felt like, huh, yeah. okay. No, this is something else that's happening Interesting. in that world. Yeah. Right. And and it was okay. Normally with that sort of, and I will I will tell you this, because this isn't a spoiler, folks that are listening, but it doesn't happen till like the last 10 minutes of the movie. There is 
almost nothing tying the movies together until the last about 10, 10 or so minutes of the movie. And I love that the last 10 minutes of the movie clarifies and changes everything you thought you knew about the movie. Absolutely. And about Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. The only thing that I wish, and I said this as soon as I saw the movie, the only thing that I wish is that I could have gone into the movie more blind yeah. than I already did. If Which we've already ruined for a lot of people. Yep. <laughs> if they wouldn't have included Cloverfield in the title. Right. If it had been like 10 Mayberry Lane. Th- and just let that be the surprise. Yep. Is that it is just a surprise sequel to yep. Cloverfield. And in the last 10 minutes, you just be like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure I was still already like, holy fuck. But I'm sure my head would have fucking exploded at the end had I not known that that was coming yeah. at all. Now, I will say, to tie it back sort of to the, the green room that I was talking about, there are, there is one scene in particular, and I won't say which one it is because you guys were nice enough not to ruin this for me. Yes. But you were both said, pay attention for one scene and you'll know what it is. And that's all you said to me. There is a scene of so much unexpected story structure not in the right place violence in this movie that yes literally spun my head around yeah that you just do not see yeah. coming at all yeah and you're just left like just wow with your jaw on the floor what just happened so yes <laughs> i i encourage everyone to see it look out for that one scene and you'll know what it is when we're talking about solid it. well so far i feel like we've got pretty good i like it pretty good list so uh with that being said Let's A, posit something that we're continuing to do in this new well, year. And you should go back through your 543. Oh, yeah. I forgot to do that. Yeah. Thank you. You're Let's welcome. do that. Here we go. My number five was the BFG, the big Great. fucking guy. Uh, my number four was Finding Dory right. or Fuck Dory. Uh, and my number three was 10 Cloverfield Lane. Or 10 Clover Felt Up Lane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. Um, so now we can pitch something that we're doing in 2017. Yeah. Uh, which is carried over from 2016, so therefore totally fits into what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, a successful run of Bill Murray Bingo game nights at The Crying Wolf in East Nashville. And, and if you haven't been, we encourage you to come out, not just because we're hosting it and running it and it's our brainchild, but because it's become really, really fun and something that we and the group that goes really look forward to each month. It's the last Wednesday of every month yep. at 7.30, and it's literally exactly what it sounds like. I've said literally a lot this episode. But you literally have. It's it's Bill. It's Bingo with Bill Murray characters. We yep. have prizes. We have movie clips. We have games. We have our our fat asses and silly jokes. I really hope everyone can come out and play because we have a lot of fun every month, and it's only going to get better as we go. It's free. You can win shit. You can drink drink drinks and get drunk and act a fool. And they're gummy bears. They're gummy bills, gummy bills, which are which are um, stylized after his character in Jungle Book. Right, exactly. Yeah, blue. Accurate representations, completely of accurate. Bill Murray character from Jungle Book. So please come out, have some fun with us. Uh, we'll talk about movies in person, and it's just it's just a great time all around. So I encourage everybody to come out. Enjoy it. Crying Wolf, East Nashville, last Wednesday of every month, seven thirty. Be yeah. there, motherfuckers. And, and now, now let's hear from some second, second favorite sponsors. Wow, it's crazy. It's your good friend, Christopher Walken. I'm here to endorse my new business. 
You see, I've found that I have a knack for creating things. Creating things out of garbage. And beyond that, I was really thinking, I love instruments. So if I combine my two passions, I could reclaim garbage to help save the earth. But at the same time, I could make beautiful music. I took a toilet and I drained all the water out. It's crazy. And I made a poopsophone. <laughs> the beautiful music you hear sounds like a wet fart trapped in a napkin. The other day, I was walking by a Chinese restaurant and I saw that they had bones of a cat that they had skinned and put in their food earlier. And I decided to make a, a cat xylophone out of it. It's, it's weird idea, it's crazy, but it sounds like this. The thing I didn't realize while making the cat xylophone was that the cat was still alive. The poor thing died slowly while play <laughs> while playing the instrument. <laughs> but there's lots of things that can be made from garbage. Lots of things to make beautiful music. Uh, one time I took an old shoe and I strung a piece of hair, pubic hair, <laughs> right over the opening where your foot goes in. <laughs> made a pube <laughs> a pube tar. <laughs> No one ever thinks that pubes can be musical, but the truth is, anything that comes from your nether regions really gives off a heavenly sound. The other day, I found a piece of toilet paper, and I thought to myself, if I could reinforce this with a really thick layer of dried human feces and stretch it over the opening of an old tissue box, I could make some sort of shit drum. Wipeout! It's actually no coincidence that when you play the shit drum as you just heard, it does sound like it's saying booty 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 booty. <laughs> over and over again. I finally tuned it to play that melody in reference to where it came from. So as Christopher Walken, you have really no reason to buy these instruments, but I think you should, because one man's garbage is another person's poops. It's crazy. <laughs> So fucking hot right now. Twenty it's so twenty seventeen up in it's here. Snowing and we're talking about being hot <laughs> <out>. <laughs> So we're back Yay. from our sponsors. That was beautiful. I forgot how much I missed those sponsors on our hiatus. You know what? I really did too. But now I'm that I hear them again. Ones. Now that I hear yeah. them again, I'd really like them to go back to twenty sixteen. Oh man, just 
yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> they're, but, <laughs> they're terrible. <laughs> but I'm glad we got some new sponsors, so that's, I, that's fun. I am too. You know, it's it's good to just keep things changing I'm, constantly. I really like it. You know, you know what I mean? We don't, we don't want to hit a stasis where we're always talking and promoting the same people because there's a lot of stuff out there that people may not be familiar with. So exactly. hope you liked those commercials. Now we're back, and we have our favorite two movies of the year to talk our about. Our favorite two of 2016. Favorite 2016 That's a, that's a pretty big... Moniker that we're yeah, it's a pretty big deuce we're about to That's, drop I mean, on people's ears. It really is, and the thing about it is, it's so hard, at least for me, to narrow down of the hundreds of movies that get released every year. Sure, indie films and and cinema behemoths alike sure. to narrow it down to five. You mean indie films like Transformers: <laughs> Extinction? Exactly, right. exactly. By the 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 excellent understated director Michael Bay. Oh, tour. Yeah, he really <laughs> is. Bay. I mean, just very. <laughs> Very operatic. Oh, in his... I couldn't even. I couldn't even get through that. This is not the year where I'm going to be nice to Michael yeah, Bay. No, no, no. He belongs in yeah. 2016. Oh, the you know, Lord. there's a lot of celebrity deaths in 2016, and some that you just wish might have happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know his career took another hurt uh, in 2016. You mean so. when he did Transformers 8 or <laughs> yeah. whatever the, the fuck they're on right now, or however many? Yeah, Ugh. just gross. Have you? By the way, can I just pause real quick? Have you seen that trailer? It's, uh, I've seen it. Yeah, it involves knights. Yeah, like medieval knights. Yeah, and transformers. And somehow Anthony Hopkins agreed to do it. I'm not. I don't what know. I don't know why. And what's crazy is I'm like Anthony Hopkins. You're riding high off of Westworld. You don't have to do. What this. the fuck are you doing? You are national treasure, Anthony Hopkins. You're you're our favorite grandfatherly neighbor. You've already made bucket list. Okay, yeah. you've made shitty movies before. You, <laughs> you made The Indian that no one saw. You did Hearts in Atlantis. Right. You're good. You're fine. You're good. You've paid your penance. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> do Stop. not Stop it. Do not encourage Michael Bay. <laughs> this is me hitting this is me hitting Anthony Hopkins on the face with the newspaper. Stop it. I was just imagining just Stop squirting it. him with a little water bottle just, just quit. like quit. Stop. Quit it. Because I feel like every time that happens Michael Bay's like, "See, Anthony Hopkins still wants to do my movies." <laughs> and Hollywood's like, "God damn it, Anthony Hopkins." <laughs> We have to give you funding we, now. We had him out the door. He was out the door. And then you signed up, and now we're having to fucking make this Transformers We movie. changed the locks on the studio gate. He was outside. He's like a vampire. Hopkins, you invited him back in. We were already able to get rid of Megan Fox on those shitty Transformers movies. <laughs> Why couldn't you let us have I mean, this? I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Anthony Hopkins, just let us have this. Right. Just let us have this. <laughs> Why do you always have to ruin shit, Anthony Hopkins? Why do you have to make things great and ruin them? God damn it. We love Anthony Hopkins. We do love Anthony Hopkins. R.I.P. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, his career. Oh, I was about to say, half the people listening to the podcast believed you because <laughs> of what know. happened last I year. I know. They're like, did he? No, I meant to make, I, went, I meant to say, uh, after making this new Transformers movie, <laughs> R.I.P. to the goodwill you earned from yeah. Westworld. The thing about it is a really good actor can literally make as many shitty movies as they want as long as they follow it up with a good movie. Can I say something? I really hope that Anthony Hopkins doesn't die soon. Oh, my goodness. Because there's already been one good loss, and their last movie was a Transformers movie, and that yeah. was Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. We don't need that again. One of his last movies was fucking Transformers. We don't need that again. And I'm like, it's fucking Leonard Nimoy. Come on. Don't ruin, don't taint his memory with this shitty movie. Michael Bay, this is why we lock you out. Right. This is why we can't have nice things, this Michael is. Bay. <laughs> <laughs> 
because you keep doing shit like this. I, I like the idea that there's a movie, movie executive somewhere that get that greenlights a Michael Bay film. And someone else is like, this is why we can't have nice things. This right. is why Touchstone can't. This is why Platinum Dunes, we can't have nice Platinum. Right. This is why we can't have nice Platinum things. Because of these dunes. We can't have nice Platinum things anymore because of these this dunes. This is why we're not Diamond Dunes. Yes. Okay. This is why we have to settle for Platinum. This is why we're like Platinum Plus, the strip club, and not Platinum Jewelry, what people want. What people want. That's, so there's a huge difference. Just let us have this. You know, one thing we're never going to get on High Five Podcast? A shining endorsement from Michael Bay. <laughs> a platinum endorsement, you mean? Yeah. Although, I would posit, if they ever make a biopic of our lives, I want it to be directed by Michael Bay. Could he also play both of us? No. Okay. Megan Fox can, though. Okay. She can play both of us. <laughs> okay. Her and like her hammer thumbs. It would be actually, it could it be called Q's Body? Yes, okay, it can. Good. It would be a horror movie. It would be a horror movie. <laughs> Actually, that would be Jay's body. And it, it would was be, a horror movie. It would be Jay's body. And then, uh, so basically, it's just y- you and I just having sex with people to death. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That sounds like a winning <laughs> fucking movie. I'm sure people would rush to the theater. Sounds like one. a Michael Bay movie. It does. <laughs> Cue the explosion. You're just going to fuck your eyeballs until you're dead. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things, <laughs> Michael Bay. That's true. Thank you so much. Wow. Speaking of not being able to have nice things in 2016. <laughs> okay. So uh, we should get back to our list. Well, I actually accidentally get, gave a segue into my number two. Jennifer's like, body. <laughs> no, no, no. No, with Anthony Hopkins making ah. bad movies. You know, like <laughs> all the ones that we mentioned. Yeah. Um, he had that new one, Solace, which I haven't seen that yet. Let's see if it's any It was good. okay. Then, okay. But, you it know, also has Colin Farrell. Oh, so, oh, oh! I remember that. Okay, you got excited by that. Do you like? Colin I know. I remember seeing that trailer. That's <laughs> oh. about like the. Because I was going to say, for ev- for every Anthony Hopkins, you kind of get a Colin Farrell. You know what I mean? No, no. That's um, that's the one about like almost the super smart criminal who can sort of see the future. Okay. Yeah. I remember liking that trailer, so I'll, I'll give it a it's shot. It's okay. But the actor I was talking about is Jeff Bridges. That's <laughs> who I was alluding to because Jeff Bridges can make almost as many. Seven Sons of Seventh Son R.I.P.D.s or R.I.P.D.s as long as he comes back with a crazy heart or my number two Hell or High Water okay I haven't seen Hell or High Water Hell or High Water and this is a recent addition to my list we were talking about Ben Foster he's in that too right he is in that too so sorry this movie my god this movie with Chris Pine so good really so good he is great in it I cannot express to you enough how good he is in this movie. Surprising. Actually, Pine and Foster were also in The Finest Hours together, which came out in 2016. I didn't see that either, but they have so good chemistry in this movie that it doesn't surprise me that they acted together earlier in the year. Now, I like Ben Foster, and I like Jeff Bridges a lot, but I'm not a huge Chris Pine fan. Doesn't matter. This movie is written and directed so well that it gives everybody the ability to shine that... Even, I mean, I think this could turn your opinions around on Chris Pine. Really? That's how good he is in it. All right. I I saw this movie recently, and it catapulted to the number two spot in my list. Wow. It would have been number one had if number one wasn't, isn't what it is. Uh, I know that's a weird thing to say, but I don't want to ruin it. But also, (laughs) behind this movie, you have to realize it's directed by David McKenzie, who did Start Up. Did you ever see that movie, Start Up? I did. That's a good movie. That's the jail movie. Yep. Yep. Father and sons, family trauma, family um, strife. 
This movie has a lot of that. So it's directed by him. So you know he can direct a beautiful movie. Oh, absolutely. It's also written by Taylor Sheridan, who wrote Sicario. Oh, now that was a good fucking movie. So now look at this landscape that we have. It's directed by David McKenzie of Startup, written by Taylor Sheridan of Sicario, starring Jeff Bridges and Ben Foster. Solid. You're going to get a good movie. And I cannot stress enough about how good this film is. So give me the premise. What is it? Okay. And this, honestly, I'm hesitant to give you too much of the premise Uh because I went into this movie almost blind. Okay. I had seen it listed on some critics' top ten list, but didn't read anything about it, and honestly never saw a trailer for it, gotcha. except for like a Hulu commercial that came on up in, in front of some of my shows. Right, right. And I was like, oh, well, this must have been sort of one of those, you know, blacklist, right. throw-off-the-shelf type of movies. No. The premise of this movie is basically uh, Chris Pine and Ben Foster are bank robbers okay. in West Texas, in small poor towns in West Texas. Okay. And that's all I'll tell you. And all right, fair enough. They're they're robbing banks in a way that doesn't get the federal federal um the FBI involved. Okay. And because the FBI is not involved, Jeff Bridges who is an, an a Texas Ranger a couple weeks away from retirement is the one putting this whole thing together with his partner. Okay. All right. So the movie follows two storylines. It follows the storyline of the two brothers, okay. and it follows the storyline of Jeff Bridges and his partner. And they're 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 completely separated throughout the entire movie until the last, I'd say, thirty minutes. Okay. The way this movie is written is yes, there is action, yes, there are bank robberies, and yes, there's some shootouts and explosions. But the movie is so down-to-earth. The plot and the way they execute the bank robberies is so realistic. And their plan for what they're doing is so grounded. It it draws you in so quickly that it you don't even know what's happening until you get the whole story about 45 minutes into the movie. You okay. don't really figure out why they're doing what they're doing until basically Jeff Bridges and his partner do. Okay. And... The thing that's so fantastic about this movie, and it's similar to what's fantastic about Startup. Yes, in Startup, there's a lot of prison fights. There's a lot of intense action scenes. Sure. But the beauty of that movie is in the dialogue, is in the conversations that people have and the emotional heart behind what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. This movie is the same way. Every character, even some that have one or two lines in the movie extras, are written with such depth and so many layers and such so based in reality that it's almost an effortless watch for nearly two hours. Interesting. Uh, we were watching it um, a couple – actually, last night we were watching this movie, and I would just kind of check the time to see where we were. And we were 47 minutes in, and I thought it was like five minutes into the movie. It's just – it goes by so quickly, and it's paced so well. And David McKenzie uses the landscape of West Texas – Okay. In such a beautifully cinematic way that it just flows so well. Everything together fits perfectly. And the hello high water phrase actually ends up meaning multiple things throughout the movie. Interesting. You know, hello high water, which is everyone's familiar with, which is do things no matter the consequences. Right. But there's also in banking what's called a hello high water clause, and that comes into play. So Interesting. It, it actually works on a bunch of so different layers. So it's a smartly layers. written movie. Yes. And and I cannot tell you enough how great the performances 
from everybody are. Ben Foster, as always, is great. Completely different than anything else you've seen him in. Jeff Bridges, always fantastic. He's already been nominated for a Golden Globe because of this movie, for this movie. And Chris Pine, stellar. You know, you come off of uh, what the, this, this Means War and some of his Star Trek stuff. While I never have hated Chris Pine, I've always been just kind of like, okay, meh, whatever. This movie takes him into a different level for me. Really? Yeah. Okay, sold. So Once again, just like Green Room, you have sold me on this movie. A movie that I was kind of like, meh. I hope that, and honestly, when I first saw it, I was kind of like, oh, meh, I'll get to that eventually. I That's wish, how I've been. I wished I had watched this three months ago. I wished I had watched this three times already. I wished I had watched this before last night. Sold. And I cannot, I, I'll be talking about it to everybody. Super sold. So that's I'm my in. number, that's my number two. That is solid, man. Cool. Like, I like it. I really do. I'm excited. Now I want to go watch these movies. Yeah, you should. You should. Nice. Um, and then my number one, Deadpool. I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that knows me personally. I've talked about Deadpool a lot on the show. I'm wearing Deadpool socks sure. right now. Sure. Um, I'm drinking out of a Deadpool coffee mug. <clears throat> I Deadpool is my favorite comic book character. Has been since sure. the 90s. And I'm so fucking pissed that I didn't put that on my list. Yeah. It is... It's my favorite movie of the year, not because I think it's the best movie, sure. but it's the one that, of the movies I've seen this year, I've watched that four times. I've still only seen it once in I, the theater. I, I saw it, it once in the theater. We bought it the day it was available on iTunes. Nice. Watched it that night. I made my parents watch it, believe it or not. Nice. And then we've watched it again. That's amazing. So I think it's the only movie this time I've rewatched more than twice. Which I don't get a lot of time to do because sure, of with, course. with the baby, with everything that we're working on. Life. Yeah, with life. I don't get a chance to, no, one, see all the movies I want to see. I'm, I've mentioned a lot in this podcast already Absolutely. that I have not been able to see. I've watched this one four times just because it makes me happy. Sure. And I love the story behind it, that it was a passion project for Ryan Reynolds. Him and Tim Miller worked together on that short that was supposed to help get the movie greenlit. The studio didn't greenlight it, so they, somebody, quote-unquote somebody, because we still don't know who, leaked it to the yeah. public, and it got such a huge it response. It literally set the internet on fire. People were going fucking bananas yeah. when that when that little segment came out. Right. And it, because of that, it got greenlit and got, and they, but they didn't have any faith in it whatsoever. So they released it in February. It was made on a shoestring budget and they basically let Ryan Reynolds and Tim Miller do whatever they the wanted. The fucking marketing was brilliant. It, I remember seeing the billboards that, that <laughs> just pushed the skull and the poo. Well, beyond that, did you see the romantic comedy billboards that just had like a picture of Ryan Reynolds? Because it was coming out in February. Yeah. It came out on Valentine's and, weekend. And it was like, literally they did <coughs> all of the things that normal Hollywood production people would say you can't do that right like you can't no i can't do that i watched an interview with ryan reynolds and he was talking about the marketing and he said really all we did is because no there was no oversight and because the studio didn't care i would just text tim miller random hilarious things i thought of to market the movie which is how the emoji billboard got around nice and they they bought that with their own money and they put up one billboard in la Hoping it would go and what viral. Was it? it was just a skull, a poop, and an L? Yeah. Because it was Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. And they were hoping it'd go viral, and it did. 
And then the, there was the video of Ryan Reynolds dressed as Deadpool, like with ki- like uh, Halloweening with kids. Um, you, do you remember the one with um, what's his face uh, Slater from Saved by the Bell? Yes, where he's interviewing Ryan Reynolds and then he, and then Deadpool then he kills him. <laughs> yes, it was just so well done, and every bit of the ass the marketing matched with what the character of Deadpool actually is. Sure. So for fans of the character like myself, it really felt like a coming home. And I, I oh, also definitely. loved that Ryan Reynolds was mature enough to poke fun at the other superhero movies that he had done. You know, they make fun of Green Lantern in the Deadpool movie. They make fun of the other Deadpool incarnation from Wolverine Origins. Yep. And they have the action figure in in this yep. movie. They were irreverent. They broke the fourth wall. They did everything they wanted to do. And I am, one, uber excited about the sequel. Oh, of I mean, course. I, I'm sad that Tim Miller left. I'm excited they got the John Wick director. I was really hoping that they actually cast Keira Knightley as Cable. Uh, yes, that I would be great. I thought that would be fucking hilarious. Now, on the flip side of that, I am I am petitioning and leaning really hard for Stephen Lang. Oh, I would love I him. think Stephen, and, and Stephen Lang, I should mention this. This is an aside, an honorable mention, but the movie Don't Breathe. We watched that. that Stephen Lang is, is fucking in, awesome. Is fucking amazing. And, hella intense yes. talk about another like cloverfield just an intense movie i almost wish it had been on my list but just some of these i enjoyed more but man that's a good movie. i agree and stephen lang as cable would be beautiful he would crush it it would be amazing i mean he the dude looks like he was born to play cable he yeah. looks like cable he's muscular he's got the white hair <laughs> yep. he's got that grizzled face i mean he fucking throw a metal arm on him yeah. and he's fucking cable i mean he you know, with the he's got the he had the scars and he's had those yeah. scars in a bunch of other movies like um uh, uh, Avatar Avatar yeah that's what I was thinking of so he w- he could do it I'm pushing real hard for him yeah and then and I mean seeing that we have a lot of sway mm-hmm. I mean it could really go yeah, I mean, you we know, can make it work you know what as a matter of fact when we're done recording this I'm just gonna call up Ryan I would do it um because yeah. I've got him you know I was just talking to him the just, other day you know, tell Ray Ray what and we're I'll thinking. just be like hey l- listen yeah. R okay um, hey Ray Ray. Yeah, well, he's R. He's an honorary right, member right. of High Five. Well, he, um, a lot yes. of people don't know this. He's a huge supporter of the show. Huge. Um, we've we talk to him regularly in our dreams, and um, we consult with him on the episode ideas in our fantasies. And um, we, you know, he tweets at us never. <laughs> and um, so it's just you know we yeah. really have a, a real creative, working, good relationship with him on paper. And so um, I'm just going to call him yeah. and I'll just say, hey, man, look. Yeah, do it. Do Make it. it happen. But and one of the things that I loved about this movie was it, it felt justified to see the response. You know, it's the only R-rated movie to come out to open at over $100 million. So just to see that, yes, you can make an R-rated, irreverent superhero movie based off some popular you know, characters and, and staples, but make it in the right way. Well, let's say and semi-popular still, character. Yeah, and still get the response that you need to be considered successful. Yeah, because while Deadpool is, to comic book fans, a known quantity, you know what I mean? He's something that people know. It's he's it's Deadpool as a character is not something that the general public was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I want I really want a fucking Deadpool right. movie. You know Deadpool I mean? fans wanted it. No one else knew what was going on. So that for me, my favorite movie of the year It's one I can rewatch. It's one that I think is great. It's one that makes me excited about a sequel possibility. And it's one that I felt they did the right way. So for me, that's my number one. 
So I'll go back through my top five. Um, I've got number five is Green Room. Number four, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Number three, The Nice Guys. Number two, Hell or High Water. Please watch it, everyone. Number one, Deadpool. Um, I fucking love that list, dude. It's a good. You have a good, solid 2016 list. <clears throat> I'll tell you what. A lot of shit may have gone down in 2016, but some all right movies yeah. came out of it. And it's got some balance to it. It's not all horror. It's not nope. all action. It's not all comedy. It's It's got a good balance of all. I agree. I agree. You can have a good experience. You watch those five movies. You can, and you will. And you will. We assure it. So that's wh- our wh- high five guarantee. So what are you? What are your top two? Uh, all right, my top two, my number two, is Pop Star. Never stop, never stopping. Love that movie. So do I. So much. I think I told you about it. You begged went, me to watch it. I was I like, please did. watch this movie. First off, <clears throat> I fucking love the Lonely Island. They're great. I think that was one of the best things to come out of Saturday Night Live in years. Right. Just those digital shorts that Andy Samberg started putting out, and then it kind of gained traction, mm-hmm. and they got some more popularity, and then they're, every one of their albums I have loved. I thought they were fucking hilarious. Yep. And for a comedy album for me to consistently be good with each album that they put out right. is kind of unheard of. Like Usually <clears throat> you'll have like one really great stand-up special. Or one really great comedy album. Right. And then your other one might kind of middle because you're trying to repeat the success of the first one. Well, the thing about comedy albums is there are a couple types that exist. You know, you've got the stand-up special. So you can listen to Louis C.K. Hilarious. Or you can listen to Amy Schumer. You know, and you can listen to their albums. And it's just a recording of their stand-up special. You know, uh, Patton Oswalt's Talking for Clapping is, is brilliant. Yeah. And but those are those are just recordings of stand-up specials. Sure. And then you have the other kind, which is more esoteric, but really the only ones that ever jump out. Like Adam Sandler had some great ones in the nineties. Yes. Whatever we say about Sandler nowadays, his albums, his first couple albums in the nineties, fucking for beginning to end, like My Shitty Car, Shitty Car. They're all gonna laugh at you. They're all gonna laugh at you. Those were brilliantly conceived comedic albums that weren't stand-up specials. No. Lonely Island has sort of reinvigorated that idea of being able to say a comedy this concept is comedy, album. but it's not stand-up. Nope. And I, I love that they sort of bred life back into it. And it's music, but it's not Weird Al parody songs. It's not. Because Weird Al sort of owns that market. Right. But it's not that... I know a lot of people, when they think comedy music, they think like a Garfunkel and Oates. They think Who of... Who are also very good. Paul and Storm. Yeah. Um, also very good. Very, very good. But I'll tell you something that Lonely Island does better than all of them. Lonely Island makes hit records. Yes. Like, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. They parody the genre of hit making by making actually musically yeah. well-made music. It's almost like the way that South Park spoofs genres Whereas, like, The Simpsons will make parodies of specific properties. Yeah. It's not that one or the other is better, but there is an art to being able to understand at the core structural skeleton level what sure. makes a genre or a, a a musical item tick and what makes the business of it run and then get past all the veneer and use that to build something funny around. Because even Adam Sandler stuff... They're just funny concepts for songs. It's a song about a shitty car, or it's a song about, you know, Hanukkah, which is 
out of the norm or whatever, and it sure. mentions a lot of celebrities. They actually take things that sound legitimate, but if you take a step back from it, it's funny, and if you take a step back even further, it's smart, and then if you take a step back even further, it's hilarious. I absolutely agree, and that's what's crazy. So when this movie came out, I remember seeing the trailer for it, and I was already on board because I'm a Lonely Island fan, like I said. But then I watched the trailer, and I was like, okay, this is funny. They're parodying like a Justin Bieber type of performer. Really, uh, it's an amalgam of a bunch of different, like Kanye, Bieber. They've got a bunch of this kind of TLC kind of is A little bit, yeah. Yeah. They have this whole boy band kind of breakup in sync kind of thing. Um, Justin Timberlake would be one that I think would fit into that archetype. And I was watching the trailer, and I was like, this looks pretty fucking funny. Like, it it got some chuckles out of me. But it was still one of those that I was like, this is going to be a dick and fart joke movie. It's going to be a silly movie. It'll be, right. It'll be silly. It'll be a fun time. Yeah. Uh, I got screening passes for this one. So this is one that I went and saw an early screening for. And I legitimately watched people get up and walk out of this movie. Which was crazy. Which I can't. I cannot. I. I. The only reason I would have done that is because I was laughing too hard and couldn't breathe. Right. Well, let's tell. Let's go ahead and tell people we're in Nashville. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah. being in the Bible Belt with some of the the humor that was in this movie with a song called "Fuck Me Like You Fuck Bin Laden," right? Or like we fucked Bin Laden. And there's about a five minute scene with Judd Apatow's penis, heavily portrayed. Just heavily portrayed. Just, just focused. Right in. You're just seeing dong. Not not a quick like, oh, Jason Siegel walking across no. the screen and it's, it's it's funny. Main front and center in the camera. And shot. it's the joke. Right. Is the penis. So they want you to look they want you to look at the penis. They make like, you look, like, at, the look at the penis. But um it it was a fucking I laughed audibly in the theater, which is weird for me because I'm one of those kind of like silent chuckle to myself kind of people. Um, so I'll watch a movie and I'll be like, that was funny, yeah. you know, whatever. But I was literally like, I was laughing. Like I laugh when we're sitting here talking on this fucking yeah. podcast is because shit is just so fucking absurd. And I'm watching this. So I'm listening to it and I was like, I fucking like this music. I was yes. like, I like this music. Like I will listen to this music in my car. I, I did listen to the album on Spotify oh, so have I. multiple times. So have I. Not even like, this is funny. Just like, this is a fucking good song, man. I, this is my fucking jam. I'm so humble right here. Yeah. I fucking love it. So that was one thing that kind of blew me away. The second thing is, it was so fucking smart and laser on point yeah. about its dissection of the music industry and, and genre. celebrity. The fact that, okay, they had the, an awesome joke in the movie that was at one point it is pitched to uh, I can't even think of his name now. Andy Samberg. Character. Yes, Andy Samberg. It's pitched to him that they should start putting his music in appliances. Yes. Okay. It's the next wave. It's the next hot thing. It's how to get in people's homes. Which, as a concept, and somebody who used to work in electronics, is actually kind of funny because there have been some very similar yeah. things to that. Well, people don't buy albums anymore, so we've got to figure out a way to get them into our right. these homes. And so... In a world where we do live with smart refrigerators that you can watch TV on and stream Pandora through, <laughs> it was fucking funny that they're like, and when you turn on this washing machine, check this out. And they open it and his fucking song starts playing. <laughs> yeah. 
And then they have that crowd reaction afterwards where people are like fucking throwing their microwaves out windows and shit. And they're like, fuck this. Like, we bought an appliance. I don't want to hear your shitty album every time we do this. They also have a really funny joke that literally happens off screen. That is him and Tim Meadows talking about how the album just flopped. And the screen goes black because the cameraman... I can't even remember. The cameraman like turned off the camera. Well, it's a documentary style, right? So they asked them to turn it off, but they leave right. the audio on. And so then they they proceed to play out this whole skit where there is a bee that is attacking <laughs> them while they're talking, and then it turns into a whole swarm of bees, <laughs> and then a giant queen bee is what they're describing that they end up killing with a flamethrower. Right. But it all happens off screen, and I'm, I'm watching this, and it's just a black screen with the subtitles of what they're <laughs> yeah. saying. And I was laughing my ass off. It was so fucking intelligent. And one of the things I have to add here is that in a lot of, a lot of musicals or a lot of comedy, and you know, Team America did this, where they have really funny songs as a part of it. But most of the time, unless you're a Weird Al Yankovic, it's snippets of songs. Right. Like they'll come up with a really funny verse or a really funny course. Okay, so and I'll use this and it's one of my favorite movies, but Spinal Tap. Yes. Spinal it Tap is is, is great, but in the movie it's usually just a couple lines of the song or a chorus of the song. Now to be fair, they did put out a full album. They did. And I'm just using that as an example, yes, but, but this yes, is a common I see what you're trope. talking about. Yes. In this movie Every song is played in its Full entirety, length. and the, the entire thing is just as funny as the snippet most people would include in the movie. Absolutely. They have a song in it that I always go back to uh, called Ibiza. Okay. Where they are literally, the whole joke of the song is that they are saying Ibiza, Ibiza with a lisp. <laughs> and so the whole joke is they're, they're talking about they're going back to Ibiza, and they're going to eat pizza. <laughs> and then they're going to mispronounce things. And they're like, and we're going to have Pygea. There, there are two that I think of when I think of this movie that just make me laugh uncontrollably. Now, obviously, the big staple is that I'm so humble. It starts the movie, and it's great. Totally. But there are two others. The one is his equal love song about yep. same-sex marriage. Even but, though it's already been. Yeah. The funny joke about that movie is not so much that they're making fun of same-sex marriage, which is not the joke. The joke is that he is in support of same-sex marriage while equally trying to say that he is manly and homosexual. I mean, heterosexual. So he's saying everybody love dudes if that's what you love, but I love sports and women and boobs. Right. But the third layer of the joke on top of that is he is releasing this track in a world w in which gay marriage and rights are already really? approved. Yes. So this is like post – this is like in the real – it takes place in the real world where gay rights are yeah. not really threatened anymore, so to speak, other than people's personal I was bigotries. I say they are sort of threatened, especially nowadays, my goodness. Well, current, with our current political landscape, sure. But right after – Right. When, or right when this movie came out, people were happy. This was a big thing. Yeah. So there's even a line in the movie where one of the celebrities was like, is this a thing? Like, <laughs> like it's okay to get married. And I think that's in, in the song. He's talking about like people need to be able to love who they want. And he's like, I think it's Ringo Starr. And I think he's like, they can. Like, 
it's fine. Yeah. Like, it's okay. And I just, it, all of a sudden, it's like, boobs. <laughs> it's just so funny. And then the other one is when the, the band, the boy band breaks up and the other guy's spinoff song called Things in My Jeep. Oh, yeah. With the dude from Linkin Park. Yeah. And the whole song is honestly two and a half minutes of him listing random things in his Jeep, like a half-used container of floss or an old Doritos bag. And that's the whole song. Yep. It makes me laugh so hard, and so I'm so glad that you included it on your list. So, yeah, it's fucking awesome, and the cast crushes. It's got Sarah Silverman, Tim Meadows, Joan Cusack, Maya Rudolph's in this movie. Seal. Nas. Yeah. Ringo Starr. Everybody. I mean, it, it's fucking amazing. And they cap it all off with another amazing Michael Bolton performance. They, they do. And um, I love Will Arnett's TMZ spoof. Yes. How spot on they are reaming what TLC is and does. And to be for. to be fair, I've never seen TMZ. It's so spot but on. Jordan, who saw the movie with me, has seen it, and she said it. She was like, "It is hilarious how accurate they are." And she's like, "What's funny is it you see you think it's being a spoof, but it's actually just basically doing exactly what they do." It's on ridiculous that, on that thing. It's ridiculous. So, so I, I'm I'm so ha- I'm so happy you put it on. Your nice. List. So that's my number two. Love it. And my number one Ooh. is Rogue One. Hey, yay. That was my favorite movie this year. It was it was so good. Wasn't for it? so many reasons. For the experience, for the movie itself. It did something that I legitimately did not think was possible. And that is it made a new hope better. Mm-hmm. I enjoy I I went home and watched A New Hope again. And I got so much more out of that movie. It means because more. this movie exists, and I love that uh, a new hope starts in the middle of a story. Like that was always something that appealed to me. It's like, oh, let's pick up, and you have to piece together some of yeah. the stuff that happened. But you're right, and I mentioned it in my summary is that it adds layers and context that make a new hope more time sensitive, more For sure. important. For sure, and. That's crazy to me yeah. because I love A New Hope. Yeah. I've always loved A New Hope. And if anything, the other Star Wars prequels and shit have, well, people will argue argue it diminishes. I still never believe that they diminish. Yeah. They're just not great movies. I just don't think of them that often. Right. But it's not like it ruined Star Wars for me. Um, but I can say excitedly that this one improved it. Like it made it better. It yeah. just added another layer. And like you said, weight and consequences to the first movie. It mm-hmm. made sense as to why everything worked the way it did. It, it even tied up some loose strings. Like, yep. how the fuck was it so easy for them to just shoot down this one air vent in the Death right. Star and destroy the whole ship? Well, spoiler alert, everybody. Turns out it was purposefully built that way yeah. to easily be destructed by hitting this exact point. Yep. Like, it, it wasn't just a flaw, which there's been countless videos floating around the internet for years of like the hilarious in joke like well i bet that fucking engineer got fired you know i love that that uh there's a pixelated video yes where it's just him explaining like i'm so sorry like i didn't you know but i liked that they took what could ostensibly be a flaw in the original trilogy and they turned it into a strength for this movie they wrote an entire movie based around why the Death Star was so easy to destroy. Yeah. And you know what? It fucking works. And and I won't 
ruin the end. But one of the things I really appreciated about this movie is the risks it took in ending the story where it ends the story. Oh, man. I 100% agree with that. And I will say this has taken, A, Disney in a whole new direction for Mm me, and B, the Star Wars universe. Because I'll tell you what, folks, there are real stakes in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Like, it's it's not just like, you know, and like I said, I'm going to try and dance around this as gingerly as possible, but it genuinely grounds things that there are there are consequences for these things getting done. And it makes the actions taken in A New Hope mean more. And, and appear far more dangerous. Yeah. And you understand why they work so hard to... Yeah. to do this and why the rebel alliance is really you know struggling to well, not struggling on its last leg yeah oh, if yes. you've i mean going into a new hope you just oh there's the good guys and the bad guys and the rebels are an indomitable force against the empire right. you find out in row one that is not the case they yeah. are legitimately on their last chance this is and it is it yeah. is their last chance and that's why a new hope is also their last hope yeah like legitimately luke skywalker coming along it raises the stakes for that without him without this operation for the rebel alliance there could potentially be no more rebel alliance like this is their last shot to try yeah. and save the day and i'll tell you what man those two films butt up beautifully they do like it it matches so well and and it gives me some Darth Vader scenes that I've wanted since I was fuck since I was like eight years We've old. We've talked about it. Fucking Darth Vader's lava castle. Lava castle. We got a full on lava castle. And you get to see Darth Vader being a badass. So in the prequels, you get to see Anakin be a badass. Sure. And in the original trilogy, the OT, you hear about Darth Vader being feared and being a badass. In this movie, you see why. Yeah, because let's be honest. In Darth Vader's uh, lightsaber fight with Obi-Wan, it's a little slow. Yeah. It's a little, you know. It's two old guys going at it. Right. <laughs> it was gross. Yeah. Um, it's a huge Star Wars lemon party. But in this, you get to see there's an awesome scene. And I, I keep stressing this. Literally everybody who's seen Rogue One, I have said, that you know, I've expressed to them this is my favorite part. There is a scene, and it's probably not even like the biggest, most famous scene from this. There is a scene in this movie where Darth Vader shows so much force by doing something so small. He has a scene on the bridge with that fucking douchebag commander that's, that's Krennic. in this. Krennic. Where he's talking with Krennic, and Krennic is you know explaining his situation and basically giving excuses to Darth Vader about why shit is getting fucked up. And Darth Vader turns around and starts walking away because he's done with the conversation. And Krennic is still going. And all of a sudden, you see Krennic's face change. And then... And you know, any fan of Star Wars knows You what's know what's happening. And he starts kind of like... Like he can't breathe, and he's like grabbing at his collar. And then he starts to like fall over, and he's losing air. And the camera kind of turns and shows Darth Vader, who's now walked a good 10 yards away from Krennic. And he just turns around halfway... And you just see his hand very low by his side with just his thumb and forefinger kind of like to like coming <laughs> together in this very. But it's not even like the full on like from A New Hope when he when he chokes right. him, he does the whole like hand around the neck kind of motion. This is such a little and it's it's this flex of like 
I'm only giving you the fucking tip, bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just the tip. Like, this, I could fucking crush you like a spider if I, I wanted to right now. And I've now. heard a lot of people, like, bitch and moan about the pun that he uses right around here. Time, you know, don't choke on your ass bridge. And I'm not going to comment on that particular line. I, liked, I had no problem Darth with that. Vader's always been quite punny. Yeah. Uh, he throws in those lines here and there all over the place. You've just forgotten. Yeah. So... Calm down. Relax, it's people. Fine. It's fine. It's fine. But that was such a fucking scene of badassery. And it, it almost, one of my favorite scenes from The Force Awakens that kind of mirrored this was when um, Kylo Ren stops the laser shot. Yep. And you're like, fuck. Oh, you could do that. I didn't even think that you could do that. But yeah. you, and you're just like, holy shit. It like, adds a dimension. You're so powerful that it's just like fuck you, like, this shit isn't gonna hurt me, are you kidding me? And that's what this felt like. It felt like Darth Vader could literally give no less effort to trying to kill this guy. And here this other dude is, just fucking crumbling to the floor, like, dying, and it was just this, it was the Bane moment from The Dark Knight Rises, yeah. where he just fucking lays his hand on that dude's shoulder, and he's like, oh, you thought you were the one with the power. How are you so powerful now? Right, and you're just like, yeah. yeah, like fuck yeah. you. He's a bad motherfucker, yeah. you know. Um, so that was, of course, awesome. And then, of course, the scene where he's walking down the hall and just, just straight up lifting and pinning stormtroopers yeah. to the ceiling. Like you've seen Darth. I mean, Vader, not stormtroopers, yeah. rebel you've, fighters. You've seen Darth Vader use the force choke and the force push by itself, and you've seen him fight with a lightsaber, but you've never seen him do both at the same time to really show his power and his his. Scariness. But once again, the crazy part, and what I love, is his motions are so understated. It's not like he is fucking doing a Tybo workout to he's make not, this he's shit not happen. Sweating under he there. was literally walking down this hallway and just fucking with one hand, just like picking people up to the ceiling, and with the other hand, just fucking stabbing through people, and just yeah. like an unstoppable force, just walking through like nothing you guys might as well stop fighting yeah. back because this is pointless even when they're shutting doors he doesn't give a fuck he's just stabbing through them like it's just, <laughs> it's just whatever and for me as like the little kid in me was just like yeah this is the darth vader that i have always wanted to see what's well, the darth vader that you've known exists but have never seen right and we finally got to this see is it. the legendary darth yeah. vader you know what i mean so yes uh, i'm with you 100%. so i love that um i also love all the actors i thought they did a great job i thought i agree i thought um there's a really great show that i saw this year the night of yo man uh with riz ahmed yep is the actor and he's in rogue one he is and he plays an awesome part as he does. the the pilot of the rogue one and i've been a fan of felicity jones for a little while i mean she's great in theory of everything and she's great in this movie she is great now there there are, there's critiques to be made about how her character is written and her motivations and i know there were a lot of heavy edits to the movie and heavy rewrites but her performance she herself as an actress or an actor is really yeah, really yeah i good. thought she did great uh k2so oh, one man. of my favorite new additions to the star wars universe yep. A brilliant robot that stole as many scenes as C-3PO, for Easy, sure. Easily. Um, and the first time outside of C-3PO that we've seen another android be very human-like. Yep. Um, and I, I read one review that I can't agree with more, and it made me laugh. Um, they said that they feel like K2SO is the physical voice to what R2-D2 would be 
if he could talk. I would agree with that. Him or BB-8? Because R2-D... I would say BB-8 still seems a little more sweet. Yeah, a little childish. I feel like R2-D2 gets so exasperated through the movies. <laughs> There's so many times that R2-D2 is like spun his head around and he'll be like, <laughs> like, like he's, he's basically saying like, you all are fucking idiots. And K2SO basically says that he's like, I hate all of you. Like you're all really stupid, you know? And it's, oh, man. it's so awesome. So that was great. Um, and once again, as sappy as it's going to be, and we are talking about our favorites from the year. It's just a great experience. I got to see it with great friends. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where, um, you know, there's no better way to see a movie than with a group of people that also appreciate something right. just as much as you do. Because it, it takes the excitement level up to the it, in, the end. It's fun. I mean, movies should be communal experiences. Agreed. And so to be able to do that really heightens it. I absolutely agree. So That's a great um, list. So that's my list. So I'll run back through it real quick. Give everybody a refresher. Uh, my number five was the BFG. My number four was Finding Dory. My number three was Cloverfield Lane. Ten Cloverfield Lane. My number two was Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. Also a great title. And my number one was Rogue One. Awesome. I really like your list. You've shared some of mine. I I loved all those movies that you mentioned that I have seen at least. I haven't seen BFG. So a shitty year. Filled with some pretty good movies. Filled with some. So, the the year wasn't great. The movies were pretty good. But the movies were pretty good. <laughs> Definitely. So, and so, you know what time it is now? It's time to hear from some more sponsors. Yeah. I, I, think, I think we should lead in. And as always, uh, go check out our friends at beardmoney.com. Use the promo code high five at checkout to get 20% off your stuff. Uh, those guys are great to us, and we love them. So, if you know somebody with a beard or you have a beard yourself, uh, check them out. But in the meantime... Here's some other commercials. Check them bitches out. Hey, bro. This ever happened to you? You're like, hey, I went on my time travel trip and I stepped on a butterfly and oh shit, Trump is now president. Well, just call me up and my partner. We've got me, Randy Quaid, and my partner, not that Randy Quaid, you know. And my my partner, Doofus McPoops. And we've got our service. Uh-oh, we fucked up the past. Time travel cleanup. Yo, look, I'm Doofus McPoops. <laughs> my friends call me Doofus for short. So here's the deal. We run around. When you go to the past, everyone, all the rich folk nowadays, they all have their own personal time travel service. But they just go around and they just fucking litter shit all over the place. So it's like they bring a McDonald's cup from the future, 2018, and they take it back to 2013. And next thing you know, Princess Diana is part McDonald's. <laughs> part McDonald's? Yo, bro, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, just last Thursday, last Thursday, real time last Thursday, not last Thursday, like, time travel last Thursday. I was out with this dude, and he was like, you know what? I was eating a Snickers in the Renaissance, and then, like... Prince Charles was all fucking whacked about it. And I was like, yo, bro, I got this. So I went back. I found that motherfucking Snickers wrapper. And I was like, hey, I got this. Don't behead that lady, bro. Yo. So the other day, that's weird that you say that. Because the other day, I was back in the Renaissance area. And I was like, hey, you guys, did anybody see a Snickers wrapper laying around? <laughs> right? <laughs> 
Yeah, right, and bro. First, <laughs> first off, uh, some looking like googly head queen looking chick came up to me and she says, Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Why for out there? <laughs> In the Renaissance time, <laughs> dude, they talk so fucking weird. They talk fucking weird. It's wicked strange. It is fucking weird. So anyway, so this broad's talking to me, right? And I'm like, I need a Snickers bar, a Snickers bar wrapper. Have you seen it? And she looks at me like I'm stupid, but I'm not fucking stupid. Bro. She's fucking stupid, bro. I'll tell you what. And I was like, Do you want to fucking go? I looked at her. And I was like, Do you want to fucking go? And she was. <laughs> She started crying. She started crying, bro. It made me actually feel kind of bad, right? Right. So then I went and talked to her father, and I decided to marry her. Because that's what you do when you upset people in the Renaissance time. But what I didn't realize, bro, is while I was marrying her, turns out, last name's Snickers. So I well, fucked up the timeline, bro. Well, first off, congratulations, bro, on your nups. <laughs> right? I appreciate okay. it. So, okay, let me tell you this story. I don't think you were here. You were on vacation out in Schenectady for this one. All right? I fucking love Schenectady. Oh, it's wicked. Shit gets fucking wicked it's weird wicked, there. wicked good. All right, so I'm talking to this guy, and he's like, you know what I did? I went so far back in time, and I took my wiener dog. You know those little, little, little wiener dogs. They look like dicks, but the dogs. And he took it back, and he's like, oh, no, my wiener dog was fucking a rat. Like this is like what? stone. This is like Stone Age time, bro. Oh, and he's fuck. like, I accidentally created ferrets. What the fuck, bro? Right? You know what? But then I met a ferret, and I was like, hey, he's pretty cool. So I just left it. I just left that one. Oh, so you just decided that it was just cool? Yeah, I love ferrets. That's totally, so you can thank me, bro, for that's ferrets. To that's totally fine. Yo, so check this shit out. So the other day, this cat went back, right? And he was fucking around with computers and shit, right? And he said that his name was Al Gore. <laughs> Okay, so I didn't really think too much about it. But then the other day, bro, I'm fucking watching TV, and here's this fucking jackass, Al Gore, telling people that he invented the fucking internet. I know it wasn't him. It was me, bro, because the other day <laughs> I went back, and I was fucking around with Bill Gates back when he founded Apple Computers, right? Right, right, bro. And I was fucking telling him, hey, man, look, in the future where I'm from, they have fucking all sorts of internet shit. Like, we can fucking tweet at people. We can fucking, like, we make friends on this thing called Facebook. Did you tell him to get on that shit? I told him to fucking get on oh, it, right? Oh, good. good. And, then, and then I told him, look, this fucking Al Gore guy comes around here. You tell him to get the fuck lost. Because he has no right saying that he invented the fucking internet, bro. Well, I went back in time and I was telling him, I was like, okay, one day, this crazy head scientist... Or this little punk is going to come asking you about some almanac book, and you got to pop a cap in his ass, bro. Yo. It was it was real. And you know what? Okay, so I was back. This, this other time, it's like last Thursday. I was back, and I was talking with this woman, and she was like, oh, my God, I love cake or some such nonsense shit. And I was like, yo, bitch, don't lose your head. And I was like, hey, Marie, don't lose your head, bitch. Right, next day, lost a fucking head. That's fucking crazy, bro. Check this shit out. You want to hear something really fucking whack, though? Look, <laughs> the other day, I went fucking back in time, right? And I went to fucking Boston, right? Because it's the Cause fucking... Because Boston. It's the fucking motherland. Right? Socks. So, I went there, right? Right. And I was fucking this chick. Right. 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 Come back to the future, I'm fucking Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right, bro. So you know what? I sent a note back in the future 
or back in the past, and I said, say hi to your mother for me. Yeah. <laughs> now, I am fucking Mark Wahlberg. I'm going to go make Transformers. <laughs> so you need some help with your rich time travel bullshit? You just call us at, uh-oh, I fucked up the past time travel cleanup. You can call me Randy Quaid with a K or my buddy Poops Magoops. No longer Poops Magoops, bro. I'm Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I got a fucking pay-a-play contract. This shit's fucking sweet. That's wicked badass, bro. Marty, we've got to get back to 2016. Everyone's turned into assholes. (laughs) Oh, where we're going, we don't need morals. Oh, it's a sad truth. Oh. It's a sad Trump truth. Oh, I know. Okay, so we're here for the first game of 2017. That's right. This so is it. I'm excited. And again, so we're ringing it in with a game about 2016. Perfect. So we have titled this game Fuck You 2016. Since that was the uh, catchphrase. And might I posit, I'm pretty sure Fuck, fuck You 2016 is the new uh, Thanks Obama. Yeah, that's a, that's a hashtag. So hashtag Fuck You 2016. That's right. Uh, so that's our game. And the way we're playing it is we have pulled real headlines from 2016 and we've mixed them in with fake headlines that we have created from our brain holes. And we're going to try and trick each other with what was real and what was fake because so much shit happened that it's impossible to keep track of everything. So you can play along at home as we read these, try and think if they're real or fake. And I, I think we should dive right in. Do you want me to start with mine first? I would. Okay. So I'll read you some of mine. You just tell me real headline or fake headline. Okay. And I'll tell you if you're right. Here's the first one. 40% of Florida voters believe that Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer. 40% of what? Florida voters believe that Ted Cruz is the Zodiac <laughs> I'm Killer. I'm going to say that's true. That is, I, be- I believe Ted Cruz is the Zodiac that's Killer. That's 100% true. Nice. That Doesn't 40% of voters me. in Florida. Have you seen that guy? I have. He is a creepy motherfucker. <laughs> he is creepy. So that was awesome. Okay, so number two. Um, and some of these are a bit outlandish, so it may give it away. Um, number two. Donald Trump elected president of the United States. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say that's false. Yeah, it, it sounds like a troll. That can't be real. It sounds like I'm making that up, but that totally happened. Shut that was the f- that's, that's also shut true. Shut the fuck up. I know, right? That's totally true. What? Yeah. Next one. Oklahoma overpass collapses under the weight of stampeding elephant herd escaped from touring zoo. Hmm. I'm going to say false. Yeah, that's false. I made that up. That's, I wish that had happened. That's pretty nice, though. But, but I made that up. Uh, the next one, Dick Van Dyke passes away. Hmm. Um, that is definitely false. Yes, that is. Because thank God, Dick Van Dyke is a national treasure. But it almost, it feels like it could be true. It could. So don't say it too loud. Um, next, Angus Scrim of Phantasm passes away. That was true. That was true. That was true. That was a sad day. That was a sad passing. So that's it. That's my five. That's pretty solid, man. Yeah. I like some that. some ridiculous ones, some silly ones. And sadly, the mostly the ridiculous ones are true. <laughs> and those are the true ones. That's unfortunate. So, all right, let's let's play let's play your five. All right, let's see here. Uh, Donald Trump says Republicans are the dumbest group of voters. Whether or not that's true, that has happened. So that's true. That is false. Now that, but he's he's said that. I'm sure. At some point in his life, actually, he that one was that. true. 
This just po- a headline from 2011. I apologize. That is <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> All Yay. right. Uh, let's see. Uh, WikiLeaks confirmed that Hillary Clinton sold weapons to ISIS. False. That is false. Okay. <laughs> Woo. That is false. Uh, let's see here. Uh, All right. Uh, KKK Grand Dragon endorsed Hillary Clinton. That's also false because he endorsed Donald Trump. God damn it. That is that is correct. (laughs) That's true. That is a sad fucking reality. I know. Um, Prince died. That uh, I hate to say it, but that's true. I hate that that it's true. That one makes me sad. I was actually that was so one of much those, made me sad. There was several artists that died. I'm gonna go ahead and put it out here, and I'm sure the internet's gonna explode when I say this. So just brace yourselves because hate is coming. Uh, I wasn't a. I'm not a huge David Bowie fan. Oh wow. Okay. I like David. I'm a Bowie, little shocked by that. But I'm gonna be honest. I the most of what I know from Bowie is from Labyrinth. Well, most of a lot of what I know from Bowie is is from film to right. some degree. But that's that's pretty much it. Like it's not a world-ending thing for me that right. he passed. I've never listened to any of his albums beginning to end. I would say Black Star is worth a listen. The okay. one that got released this year. That's fair. Definitely. But worth you're a listen. definitely the more music aficionado. I mean, I, I like to think amongst so. us. I like to think so. But I will tell you this: I fucking loved Prince music. I've listened to every album. I have been a huge fan for a long time. Uh, even when he got super weird, and mm-hmm. well, I mean, he's always been super weird. <laughs> but even when he changed the whole symbol thing yeah. and kind of came back, I've just had mad respect for him his, as an. His Super Bowl a, halftime show was was spellbinding. He is just an incredible performer in general. Mm-hmm. So I was literally devastated when that happened because yeah. I was just like, "Wow, this is a fucking huge thing." Um, I felt the same way about Alan Rickman, honestly. I will say, and see, that's another one for me that I I was bummed, man. But I'd say the second to Prince to me was Carrie Fisher. Oh, of course. I mean, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds within days, like within days of each other. Now, Debbie Reynolds sad, but I mostly knew her from Halloween Town. (laughs) Oh, not singing in the rain. Not singing in the rain. Come on. I mean, I knew her from singing in the rain. Unacceptable. But that's one movie. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I know, I know. But Um, she's. But Carrie Fisher was like next level to me because growing up, much like every other straight, warm-blooded male out there, had a major crush on Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. It just well, happened. Yeah. It was, and for me, it was one of my first crushes. It was yeah. her and Topanga. Oh yeah, of course. I I actually will share both of those. That and Kelly Kapowski. Yeah, and Kelly Kapowski. There you go. Yeah, you've got the trifecta That's of the, my it's crush. The triad, the crush yeah. triad. My crush triad from a zero to fifteen years. Yes, yeah, it's the Holy Trinity. Yeah. So, um, for me, she's just amazing. I loved her in her fucking Kevin Smith, uh, cameo in uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. That cameo was great. I, you know, her work on Family Guy and her work on even Big Bang Theory is just great. Like she is. Who she is, she's an advocate for for mental health, and I think her bravery, Huge. her bravery and honesty with all of that is, is humbling. So it was that was a that was a, a bad day. It was it was a bad day for America. Um, so, yeah, I think that was it. I, I think, think yeah, I, I, think was, I think that was our five, and and I think I think with that and with our talk of of how sad that has been, we should cap this episode, cap twenty sixteen. Put it behind us. No, you know what we should do? We should say, 
Fuck you, 2016. Fuck you, 2016. That's and what we should say. Let's remember the good times, Our top to these top 10 films. It's about the best thing to come out of 2016. And, and then let's move on together, us listeners alike, the world. Let's stand together and move into 2017 and work to make this a, a step in the right direction after the steps we took back in 2016. To be fair, we've already got a leg up. Episode 8 comes out this year. Uh, uh, and we've got Friendsmas in the works. That's right. So as, as we speak. So we've already got one thing on our calendars. You add some positive shit to yours. Maybe our Crying Wolf Bill Murray bingo yeah, could be uh, a, yeah, last a positive force for change in 2017. Last Wednesday of every month. We hope to see you there. We hope that you keep listening. Um, we're going to try and put out new content every week this year. <gasps> every week? Every week. But Jay, how would that even be possible? It, it would just It's going to just come out every week. Um, instead of every two weeks. Do like you know how year. much work that's going to entail? I, it doesn't matter because we owe it to the world. We owe it to 2017. We owe it to ourselves. And, and I hope that the people... correct answer to that was zero work because fun is not work. Yeah. Aww. And we have fun doing I'm this. Like, uh, if you love what you do, you never work a day. Exactly. Like, so you know what? Let's never work a day uh, in 2017. Right. And my resolution is I'm quitting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quitting my job. So I hope, you know, reach out to us. Let's stand together and make 2017 great. Tweet at us at, at high, the number five, the podcast. Facebook us at facebook.com slash high five, the podcast. Email us at my five at high five, the podcast. Find us on Instagram. Let's, let's do this thing together. And remember dummies, none of those have numbers in them except for our Twitter handle. Right. Because Twitter sucks ass for some reason right. and made us fucking find us, in there. talk to us, let's do it together. Lick us, whatever. And you know what? I think the way to start this year off and the way to end last year, let's high five. High five. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.